Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations. Hello. At long last, we have another issue of Free and Clear, podcast that I started about a year and a half ago. Uh, I haven't been doing this podcast for quite a while. I think the last episode I did was last year, shortly after my trip to Brazil, um, which I did again, actually, this year. I went back to see the same family that I had seen last year. Um, unfortunately, though, uh, the episodes that were previously done, uh, there was a disruption in the uh, in Spreaker Studios or our association with them. And so all the previous podcasts that I had done are gone. And I feel really bad about the Christmas one because I was really proud of that one. Um, I really spoke from the heart. I always do. Uh, I, I always talk about things that are uh, on my heart on this podcast. But that particular one was uh, special because uh, in that podcast, I talked about the spirit of Christmas and uh, how as... Uh, as as people, we need to we need to do better. We need to uh, pick ourselves up and care about each other uh, more and more genuinely. And uh, that that issue that particular podcast is gone. And I was talking to someone today about that podcast, and I wanted to uh, bring give them a, a link to get to that podcast, but it doesn't exist anymore, so there is no link. Um, so we have to start over uh, with my keen insight and incredible intellect and uh, my deep uh, observatory uh, talents um, and and also my great humility uh, to start over and begin the podcast again. So this is free and clear. This is uh, Brian, who is the, uh, the host of this show. You know, I was hoping last year that we could go live with this. I started to get a a relatively decent following. Um, But I just, you know, life got in the way. uh, And, you know, I'll talk a little bit about some of the things that have happened from then till now. There's been a lot of uh, a lot of personal growth and and dealing with, uh, you know, with uh, with issues that uh, that have to do with big issues like uh, mortality and, you know, all the big, big, big ones that most people don't like to talk about. But when you become, uh, you know, when you become ill, which I had, uh, uh, you know, you start to think about what's important and what's not important. And uh, so we'll touch on that a little bit later. But speaking of what's important and not important, that what I want to talk about tonight primarily are the differences between men and women. And this is a topic that has been discussed since the beginning of time. And probably Adam and Eve were very confused about each other. And uh, I'm sure Adam left conversations with Eve scratching his head and wondering what the heck uh, was going on in, in Eve's mind. And I'm pretty much thinking that Eve also was 
confused about what was going on and Adam said, but I think women tend to have a better handle on how men operate than men have on the way women operate. Um, I think it's probably accurate to say that men are fairly simple creatures. Uh, we basically like to play with toys. Uh, our toys have changed since we were little. We used to play with matchbox toys and etch-a-sketches and, and, uh, dominoes and, and, and blocks. And then as we grow older and become men, we like to do different things. We want, instead of matchbox cars, we have big real cars and, uh, instead of uh, blocks, we like to build things. And so I think women look at men fairly accurately as overgrown boys. And I think that's probably correct for the most part. Now, some men may feel offended by that and feel like there's a lot more to them. There's a lot more to me as a man than that. Uh, there are complexities also to me. And I don't doubt that um, at all because there are. But I just think in general... Uh, men are easier to figure out, but I'm speaking as a man. I don't know. Uh, there is, we don't, I don't have a woman sitting here in the studio with me to give me, uh, their viewpoint on this. Um, but, uh, women certainly are more complex, at least from a man's point of view. We just don't have, we just don't understand them very well. Sometimes, uh, they're difficult. And, uh, you know, an example of this, I, I'll talk about my, my own marriage uh, when I was married to a beautiful woman named Sherry. Uh, we, had, uh, we had a better courtship than we had marriage. I think probably the mistake we made was to get married. I think we were better off when we were dating. I think it was just more, uh, more natural, and I, I'm not sure the relationship, started, the relationship started to fall apart. Uh, from the first day that we were married, uh, it, it probably would have lasted longer. We may be even still together had we not get married. And that, that I'm not knocking marriage as a spiritual man as a, and as a Christian. Uh, I understand that marriage is, is an important component of, uh, of relationships. But my experience was just that after getting married, it, it, things just seemed to get very uh, complex and, and, and difficult. Could have been me. Could have been just my my thinking and my way of approaching it. Probably was, but um, you know there are differences. I I remember uh, you know certain we let me let me put it this way. Monday through Friday we would work. It was pretty simple. The routine was clear. I would get up in the morning. She would get up in the morning. Um, we would have breakfast together uh, and have a little bit of a chat, and then we worked in the same place. Um, we actually met there and we became, uh, we, we fell in love with each other, uh, at this place. She, I'm a, I'm an audiologist and I was working in pediatrics. I spent most of my career in pediatrics. So there was a, uh, uh, a hearing test that we would do on children that were not able to, you know, raise their hand when you hear a beep. I mean, you can't, a two year old or a six month old can't really do that. You know, raise your hand, raise your hand when you hear the beep. What's wrong with you? Why are you just laying there? You're not doing what I asked you to do. That That's just not how it works with kids that age. So we had a test where we would sedate the child and it was something called an auditory brainstem response test. And most, uh, most parents, in fact, all parents in the state of Connecticut, in fact, all states now, because it's a mandatory test uh, in, if, with all newborns across the United States, they have to go through a hearing screening. 
Uh, and this was a test that was an objective test. We would put electrodes on the child's uh, head and face, and we would put a certain kind of a sound in the ear, and we would measure the brain's response to that. And by doing that, and by varying the frequencies and the loudness or lack of loudness to the tones, we were able to map out uh, the hearing of that child and determine whether the child had a hearing loss or not. Sherry was the PA who sedated my children for that test. All of the audiologists in that department did the test. We've all been trained in it. It's part of the scope of practice as an audiologist, especially a pediatric audiologist. So Sherry would come in and she would sedate the children and I would do my test. And very often we would have the parents sit with us uh, so that they could observe. We, you know, when you, when you work in pediatrics, you always include the parents and the family and everything you do. Um, so, but the fact of the matter is this test was hellaciously boring, even for parents to watch. And as much as they were concerned about their children, you could tell that they just wanted to get the heck out of there. The, the test took an hour and a half or so, sometimes a little bit less, depending on, uh, how cooperative the child was. But once the parents were comfortable with that, their child was being well taken care of and they were asleep and there really wasn't much to do and all they could see were lines coming up on this computer and they didn't know what they meant, uh, we would invite them then to go ahead and leave the testing area and go downstairs and get a coffee or, uh, you know, a pastry and whatnot. And then we would go out and let them know when we were finished and go over the results with them. So Sherry was the PA. She was the sedation PA in the hospital that I worked in. So she would put these children to sleep and uh, monitor their oxygen levels and their rate, their heart rate and uh, all of the vitals that we needed to monitor. And when the parents had left the room, while we were doing the test, uh, I was we would strike up a conversation and we got to know each other. And uh, she, she had just lost her husband to cancer. So, um, you know, we talked a lot about that. And as time went on, uh, I, I fell in love with her. And uh, we started dating and then we got married um, after about two and a half to three years of dating. Unfortunately, um, or fortunately, I had a son that I had adopted. His name is Trevon and he's now 24 and doing well. Um, but he was very uh, demanding of my time. He, he had been, he, I was all he really had. I adopted him when he was 14, but I started working with him as his big brother in the big brother program when he was 10 years old. And we became instantly friends the very first day that I took him out anywhere. He was very disappointed when he met me because he was expecting a, you know, this really cool kind of, you know, 25 year old dude who drove a nice car and had, you know, this great life and really exciting, flashy kind of person. And then I kind of sauntered into the house and I was this older guy. And I, he told me later at a, at a later point, uh, when we knew each other a little better, he, he said that when he first met me, he just saw me as this old man that had liver spots. I, I honestly don't even know what liver spots are. I never asked him, but it didn't really sound very good. So he, I, it was not, it was no, um, secret the look on his face when I walked in that he was like, oh my God, this is a big brother. This is more like a grandfather. But, you know, we went out to a car wash and 
just a simple car wash. And I don't know what I said to him exactly. I don't remember. But he was on the floor laughing and he begged me to stop at a certain point because he was literally on the floor. He was literally on the floor, kneeling on the seat, holding his sides, trying to catch his breath. And it was from that moment that that Trevon and I loved each other and, and we still do even today. Um, he's just the greatest. Um, but to get back to the story uh, of Sherry and I, uh, Sherry had issues with Trevon because Trevon had issues with her. So I was stuck in the middle of all this. And it was that way before we got married. And it was that way while we were married. Nothing really changed about this. So Trevon would be jealous about the the time that I would spend with Sherry. And then Sherry would be upset about the fact that Trevon was jealous about the time that I spent with her. And then Trevon would be upset because she was upset about him being jealous about the time that we spent together. And it just continued on and on and on. And there were many nights or afternoons where I would be on the phone with Sherry and Trevon would be on the stairway or somewhere out of sight listening to the conversation. And he would find things that upset him, you know, something, a series of things. And when I hung up the phone, then I got you know, bombarded with Trevon's unhappiness about what he perceived from listening to one one half of the conversation, only one half. So he had no idea what she was saying in response to what I was saying. So he he was filling in her side and what he was filling in was not, clearly was not what the side was supposed to be. It wasn't what she was saying, but he just saw her as a threat. So I was in the middle of this nightmare uh, between the two of them. And that nightmare pretty much lasted uh, throughout uh, the marriage until we separated um, toward the end. One of the things that I noticed in, in terms of the differences between men and women is that Trevon was very concrete about what he thought she said and what he thought she meant. And Sherry was a little more talking about feelings and how his response to her made her feel a certain way. Now, as a guy, I'm in the middle of this. And of course, I'm a guy. So I'm thinking very concretely like Trevon. And then so I'm able to articulate his feelings to her based on my ability to understand the concrete way that men think. But when Sherry would express to me her feelings about his feelings, uh, about her feelings, about his feelings, et cetera, and so on and so forth. I really had a hard time uh, translating that into something that he could understand because, frankly, I didn't necessarily understand it. Men are fixers. They like to fix things. If there's a problem, they want to make it better. They want to look at the dynamics. You know, it's like we it's like we're mechanics. You know, we like to build things. We like to do things with our hands. We look at part A and part B, and we like to figure out how they go together. We like to fix cars. We like to, you know, just do things. Fix, 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 fix. That's what we like. We see something broken, and we want to fix it. But women are not that way. Uh, they're not necessarily always looking. Now, they do look at ways to fix things, but it's not entirely their nature. Men are 99% about fixing. Women are more about feeling. So, uh, you know, so I, I learned this in a very profound way by being in the middle of the two of these, uh, my son and, and, and Sherry.
So, you know, you live and learn um, as you go along. You never. One of the things I've learned in life is that you never really start stop learning. There's always something new that you can learn. Um, but I've never really finished learning about women. I still scratch my head. I still, uh, I they, they kind of confuse me um, because. Well, let me let me give you an example. This here's an example, uh, and this was something that played itself out more than once. This, this this particular story that I'm going to tell you, and it's really not a story specifically, but it's a set of circumstances that played itself out many times uh, in our relationship and in our marriage. Uh, here is Brian and Sherry. It's Saturday morning, and we get up and. You know, the, there was a ritual that we had where we had breakfast and then took some time to clean the house. This is when we were living together. We lived together before we got married. And we would, you know, Travon would do his thing. And there was a, a, a boy named Kyle who lived with us that used to be the foster child of Sherry. But they remained, they remained, they had a relationship that it continued. And so we would, you know, do our morning thing and then we would find something to do. Sometimes that would be watching a ball game, which is something else that I want to talk about because, but I don't want to, I don't want to digress into other areas yet, but sometimes it would be going over to, to spend time with her family or we had friends from church and we would get, we would do social things. And, uh, sometimes Travon would be part of that. Sometimes Kyle would also be part of that, but then other times it was just the two of us. And quite honestly, I never thought, that, you know, we would do things and have fun and everything seemed fine and our conversation seemed well and everything was good. And then Sunday we would go to church and then we would have some other social interactions with people from church or, you know, other other things. And then Sunday night would come. And I remember on Sunday nights, you know, I would start getting this kind of a sad feeling that tomorrow I would have to go to work, that I can't sleep in late. I have to get up. The routine starts again. You know, get up and have breakfast, trudge to the car. So Sundays, Sundays were never, since then I've learned how to deal with, with Mondays. So, uh, and the way I deal with Sundays now and uh, is that if I, I said to myself one day, I said, you know, if I start thinking about Monday and going to work on Monday and it's Sunday night, I might as well go in and just sleep overnight in the office because I'm already there mentally. So I learned then to live in the moment and just say, okay, well, tonight I can watch, you know, this with my wife and do this with my son and then go to work tomorrow. But I kept it separate. I kept Sunday night separate from Monday. But every once in a while, I would go to bed with my wife. We would be laying next to each other and everything would be quiet and blissful and I could hear the the crickets chirping outside and, you know, we had coyotes. We lived in the woods uh, in, in a town called Tolland. We were up on a very high elevation and we had four and a half acres of property. It was really beautiful where we lived. But I could hear the coyotes in the distance and I could hear, you know, dogs barking and all of those idyllic sounds. And, you know, sometimes it was raining. I could hear the pitter-patter of the, of the raindrops on the window. And just when I was about to fall asleep, I would hear... Honey, can we talk about something? And when I heard that, the first time, the first time I heard it, 
I had to, you know, of course, honey, we can talk. What What's on your mind? And so she would explain to me something that I did or something that I said that seemed completely normal and natural to me. But she would explain, you know, what happened from her point of view. And I would sit there just wondering, what, was that the same event? Are we... T- are we talking about the same conversation? Or I don't. It, I don't. I don't understand this completely because I don't remember it that way. I didn't say those things because that's the kiss of death. If you say that when you're having a serious discussion with your wife, you just have to listen and hear it out. And I remember toward the end of that first discussion when she was done, and by this time it was about one thirty in the morning. And I learned after this discussion that that's how it would be. Whenever she said, "Honey." Can we talk? I knew I was going to get maybe three hours of sleep if if I was lucky. So anyway, she explained to me what I said or did, much to my surprise. I didn't understand it. Uh, But I said, listen, honey, you know, let me let's talk about how we can do it differently, because I don't want to uh, make I don't want this to happen again. So maybe if we do it this way or we do it this way or we do it this way or some other way, um, we can avoid this misunderstanding and it made perfect sense to me because I'm a fixer. Men like to fix. So here's the problem. And uh, here's the problem. And I want to fix it. But my wife would then say to me, after listening to about an hour and a half of a very detailed explanation of what happened from her point of view, and I'm not putting her down. I never, I took it very seriously because this was my wife. But then she would say, honey, I don't want you to fix anything. We don't have to do anything differently necessarily. I just want you to know how that event made me feel. I just want to express to you how that made me feel. So I would I would lay there and I what do you say to that? I didn't really know. So I would then spend another hour and a half and she would go to sleep. She would have been finished explaining to me how she felt and then she would go to sleep and I would then lay there in complete confusion. Uh, not knowing what that was about and what to do about it. So we're different. We just think differently. And, you know, there's no biblical explanation for this. I, I go back to Adam and Eve. You know, there's, there, that's the, according to the Bible, the first creation of man and woman is Adam and Eve. And I think, well, okay, Adam and Eve were built to live in a perfect world, um, And the one thing that we were told not to do is eat from the, eat an apple from this tree in the garden of good and evil. Now, there's a lot of controversy as to whether Eve should really take the blame for Adam doing this. I totally get that because, you know, Eve encouraged him to eat the apple, but he did it. So, okay, that, that probably was the first cosmic argument between men and women. It's not documented in the Bible, but think about it. Adam, at the behest of Eve, eats the apple, and then all hell breaks loose. You know, God is upset that the man has become fallen, and now man is separated from God, and eventually we have to have Jesus come to reconcile uh, man with God because we are now fallen in nature. You got to figure that that was probably the first mega argument in the history of the world, although it doesn't say it in the Bible. But think about it. I mean, here... I mean, if my if my wife and I could have had a disagreement or a misunderstanding about a conversation that happened over the weekend uh, that really didn't seem to be of too much consequence, 
man, Adam and Eve must have really had a hard time. I can just see Adam, you know, saying, look what you made me do. And then, uh, and then, you know, I, I ate the apple and now look what's happened. And then Eve would say, yeah, but you know, that's true. But I want you to know how this makes me feel, you know, that we're in this situation and man has fallen. So Adam was probably trying to fix it, you know, put the apple back, you know, let's stick it back up on the tree or somehow regurgitate it and, you know, God would miraculously form it back into an apple. And, you know, Adam was probably trying to figure out how, how to fix it. And he was already, forget that. I just want you to know, okay, this is how what you did, Adam, made me feel. Now, this is also something about the differences between men and women. Men will feel like women caused something to happen that made the man make a mistake. And women will say, no, honey, that's not what happened. Um, you, you, did, you didn't have to do this. It, so, there, there is this uh, chasm of, uh, there is this space between understanding men and women. And um, this it manifests in many, many ways, and it did in our marriage. Um, and even, even toward the end, there, you know, I think that's the biggest challenge about being married or being with, uh, with, with your wife or, the, or your girlfriend or whatever the case may be, is trying to figure out what the heck is the nature of the other person? What is the nature of women? And what is the nature of men? Now, biblically, it's pretty simple what they say. It says that women want to be loved and protected, and men want to be loved and respected. Those two things. Now, it's not really that black and white, clearly. I mean, it's there's a lot of overlap and I'm not, I'm not even sure that I buy it entirely, but um, the differences between men and women, men are easier to figure out, I think, because I am one and, and women are much more complex, but women will never agree to that. Women will, will never say, yeah, you're right. I, we are incredibly complex creatures. No, they don't they feel like we are not perceptive enough to know what they're feeling before they tell us what they're feeling. So their perception is that we're not paying attention and that we're too busy doing, thinking other things. And we're not, women seem to think, and maybe rightfully so, that men should know before they even say anything how they feel. And I think this successful relationship in some cases is when the man can actually anticipate that. But most men have not a clue. Um, and so it's it turns out usually to be a big surprise and everybody's confused. But women expect men to understand, in my opinion, I don't want to offend women out there, but I think women expect men to know how they feel. And there's no way in hell that that's going to happen. Men are concrete. Men want to fix things. They're very... Uh, you know, A goes to B, B goes to C, uh, here's the problem, let's fix it. And even now, that's how I am. I want to be in the solution when I'm in a, in a problem. I don't, like to, I don't like to dwell in the problem. I like to fix it. And that, that works, you know. Somehow men and women get, have the same jobs and they do the same things. And, you know, men and women are supervisors and men and women do this and that and uh, equally well. And sometimes women better, sometimes men better. But the way that we think is entirely different. And so uh, sometimes I question um, how it is that anything comes out right. And especially 
when men and women have to work together to come to the same objective. It's it's a big challenge because, uh, in my opinion, anyway, it's a big challenge because to to break down that communication barrier is 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 hard. But maybe as a man, I'm fooling myself by thinking that we're easy to figure out. I personally think that women just think we're overgrown children, that we're just overgrown. And, and, and there's, a, there's a basis for this, actually. Uh, have, being in, in, a, in a, a medically related field, I learned a lot about brain development. And the fact of the matter is that the male brain, sorry, guys, but this is true, the male brain is not fully developed until approximately 26 to 27 years old. So women uh, mature much more quickly than men do. So this is why when you are in high school and men are doing their thing, women just sit back and they go, what in God's name are they doing? They have, they have a hard time understanding uh, uh, the childishness, you know, but I, th- I also think that's endearing personally. I think that's part of what they fall in love with. I, could, I know there are women out there right now that are shaking their head and saying, oh my God, I can't believe that Brian just said that. Brian is, oh my God, I would hate to be the woman in his life. By listening to this podcast, I can tell you right now that this guy will never, ever be married happily. No woman will ever be happy with him on an intimate basis because of the way he thinks. Listen to this podcast and the things he thinks and he's saying in this podcast. But in the end, since we're coming down to our last minute of my first podcast in probably over a year, I want to say something conciliatory about the difference between men and women, and that is that it's what makes it work. Women and men fit together because they have this different way of approaching things, and men need to have that input uh, because men are totally lost if it isn't for uh, the other half. And I think I think women need to have the same input. It's kind of like a yin and yang. So in the end, I'm not trying to put down uh, relationships um, it was a great marriage uh, when it was good. Actually, it wasn't a great marriage. It was a great courtship and a horrible marriage, but could have been my fault. But in any event, this is my rambling for the first free and clear in um, in over a year. This is Brian. If you want to uh, contact me, you can email freeandclear at, uh, at yahoo.com. That's F-R-E-E-A-N-D-C-L-E-A-R-1 at yahoo.com, freeandclear1 at yahoo.com. If there's a topic that you'd like me to ramble on about uh, next, uh, the next time I do a podcast, which, will, which should be next week, I'll be happy to entertain that. And if there are any women and men out there that just want to shoot me for anything I said, please refrain. I actually am a good man. Good night. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. It's cutting into your exercise time. It's stabbing you in the back nine. <clears throat> And it's attacking your peace of mind. It's pain, and it's getting in between you and the life you want to live. CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic, available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
Is your cell phone bill out of control? Then this is your wake-up call. The new TrackPhone Wireless gives you unlimited talk and text starting at $20 a month, no contract, plus unlimited carryover data with active service. Yep, the new TrackPhone Wireless. Now you're in control. See terms and conditions at trackphone.com.